0: Well, good morning, Mountain Park. Good morning. It's great to see you on this day. I- I'll tell you, I am enjoying coming outside of my house and knowing the sun is going to be shining. I, <laughs> I live in Ohio, where out of 365 days, 280 of them are cloudy. That's act- an actual study. Um, 280 cloudy days. So to see the sun every day, it makes me not want to go home. But there's some people who would come and get me if I didn't. So, <laughs> but I'm grateful to see you this morning to be back in one of my favorite places. And what I mean by that is Mountain Park Church of God is one of my favorite places to be. I love what you've done to the place. It's <laughs> really nice. I'm grateful to be back with my friend Alan and and to uh, to have shared with he and his wife Tammy you on know, yesterday morning was such a marvelous, marvelous time. Um, I love this man of God. I when he asked me if I could speak, I said, absolutely. He's one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, just so genuine, so real, um, and so full of the Holy Spirit. And, and it's, it's easy to see why God is blessing this church in the ways that they are, that He is, because of the leadership that you have. And you just ought to give God thanks for that, uh, not only for Him, but for all of the other leaders. Amen, amen. Everything rises and falls on leadership, and I'm so grateful to see the rise that is happening here um, at Mountain Park Church of God. Uh, there's a text over in John chapter 21 I want us to look at. We're talking about taking back, taking back. It was joy, and, and I got a lot of them, and then by the time I got to Allen, all the ones I said I would preach were taken, so y'all got to just take what I got today. Uh, it was a leftover, but uh, what, what do we have left but hope? We don't have hope. We don't have anything left. And so we're talking about taking back our hope today. And there in John chapter 21 verse 3, uh, it says this, these words, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Nothing. If you read the whole context of the story, you'll know that they fished all night long and they caught nothing. I can't think of a situation that is more hopeless than when you have given everything that you know to give and you have prayed, and you have counseled, and you have given advice, and you have done the work, and you have done what they said do. You turned it upside down. You turned it around. You did the somersault. You did everything. You, 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 you prayed about the marriage. You went to marriage counseling. You prayed about the addiction, and it just seems as though all of your work has been for nothing. They fished all night long and caught nothing. Now, you need to understand how different that is because Peter is a master fisherman. When Peter was called, he was with James and John, and and Jesus, they were in the boat and they were fishing. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They were some of the best fishermen. As a matter of fact, the Sea of Galilee had become known as the Sea of Peter because Peter was so good at fishing and catching And but yet they fished all night long and caught nothing. I don't know about you, but I I, I don't know why Peter decided he was going fishing. I don't know any of that, but I do know that when he made that decision, it was not so that it could end up with nothing being caught. He had an intention that his hopes and his expectations would be met, and yet they dissolved into nothing. He caught nothing all night long. His plan A blew up in his face, amen, and plan B had to take place, and and, and apparently not even that was working. Uh, Plan A was that Jesus was going to to come and through his power and might was going to redeem Israel and turn things around. And then Jesus ups and dies on the cross, my God, and disappears for three days. And they go to the tomb and he ain't even there. (laughs) What the world? So I'm going to go do what I know how to do. I'm going fishing and still can't catch any fish can you imagine how hopeless it is when you do the thing that you know best to do and it still turns out badly but i'll tell you this that's the way life is life doesn't always work out the way we planned. We had plan A and then we had to move on to plan B and plan B blew up and then we moved on to plan D and plan D came along and things didn't work out and we moved on to plan uh, G and G came along and now we're at M and M came down and I know the alphabet, here we are at R and R came and now we're at Z and here we are Z1, Z2, Z3, Z dot A, Z dot B. Life doesn't always work out the way we thought. And if we're not careful, we will allow those disappointments to take our hope away. But can I tell you a secret? I told the church this morning, and they probably didn't tell you the secret. Can I tell you a secret? Life typically doesn't work out the way we want. I know I was supposed to tell you something different. I know I was supposed to tell you that if you're saved, you love the Lord Jesus Christ, you're filled with His Holy Spirit, which I pray that you are, that things are all going to work out well. Just trust in God and boom, everything is great. And I've stopped by to let you know that if Jesus had to die on the cross, you're going through some suffering. And suffering sometimes will cause you to lose your hope. So, here we are in our life dream. It's supposed to be this way at 30. 30. 30 came, and it didn't happen. All right, 35. 35 came, and it didn't work out quite the way. Okay, 40, 40 came, gray hairs came. Sometimes it came, and you thought you made it, and you were ready to rest in it, and dream about it, and live in it, and life is going at warp speed, and things are going well, and then stuff happens. The diagnosis comes. The divorce enters in, the job gets bounced, devastation comes, sickness that you didn't think you would have to endure comes, and and painkillers enter in, and you find yourself doing things with them that you didn't think you would have done, and your hope is disintegrating as time goes by. It's not always because you didn't plan well. It's not always because you didn't do the right thing. Sometimes you did the right thing. You went to school. You got that degree. Check. I, I got that degree and I got the job. Check. I got the job and I got my boo. Check. I got my boo and the church. Check. And things check off and then life starts happening. And you find yourself drifting away from hope into hopelessness. Where do you find hope? In situations that seem so dark where do you how can you take back your hope when you have done everything you know how to do and it still is not working out that person's still acting crazy that child still is going astray that addiction still has hold on you that child still has not come where do you find hope and how can you take it back well i'm a three-point preacher so, there are three things. I, I told the church this morning, my, one, a parishioner came to me about three weeks ago, and she said, I was at a church, and they didn't have any points. <laughs> she said, I didn't think they preached, because they didn't have any points. <laughs> well, I've got three, because I'm a three-point preacher. That's Church of God preaching right there. Three points. Amen. <laughs> I don't know how Alan preaches, but uh, he did go to the same seminary I went to. <laughs> how do you take it back? Number one, I, I want there's some words I want you to remember. There's some words I want you to remember. Number, number one, remember God's sovereign authority. Would you say that with me? God's sovereign authority authority sovereignty is something that will help you to not lose hope when situations seem hopeless listen to what peter said peter said i am going fishing did you hear that he said i am going fishing. It's like, hey, nothing else is working out. Uh, you know, so much for this. I don't know where that Jesus guy is going. I love him dearly. He said he was coming back and he did show up. By the way, uh, when they went fishing, Jesus had already appeared to them and let them know I am alive, but he didn't come back. It, doesn't that happen sometimes? You get a spark of hope and then it doesn't come back. It doesn't keep going. That spark doesn't catch fire. And now you're thinking to yourself, I was stupid to have believed in that. So I'm just going fishing. Peter said, I'm going fishing because that's something I know how to do. I know how to fish. And there's times in which when life seems hopeless, the thing that you want to do is do what you know how to do. And oftentimes, that is what you need to do. But most of the time, it's because you want to have something to control. You want to have something you can hold on to, something that I know is at least certain. If I can't do nothing else, if I can't control where Jesus is going, if I can't control what God is going to do, if I can't control through my prayers, and I prayed and prayed and prayed, I prayed all night long, prayed all morning long, prayed all afternoon long, and it still hadn't happened. can at least go do what I know how to do. And they went fishing because we humans have this this, this disease called control freak. (laughs) We like to know for certain how things are going to go. And I've come by to let you know. Can you keep another secret? It's another secret. I'm going to tell you another secret. Who remembers the first one? Good, because it was a secret. (laughs) Here's another secret. You can't control Anything in life, you can't hardly control yourself, let alone control other things that are happening around you. And when you realize that that I don't have to be in control it allows you to take back your hope because there are things that will happen in your life that will make you feel out of control that will make you feel as though they've gone so far that there's no way that I can ever find my way again and when you rest in the fact that I don't have to know everything I don't have to be in control and a matter, as a matter of fact I cannot know everything when you rest in that and come to understand understand that there is a God who does know everything, there is a God who is in control everything of everything, there is a God who is sovereign and He's guiding my life, then you can take your hope back. But if your hope is in your ability to fish, if your hope is in your ability to control, if your hope is in your ability to control people around you, you are going to have a problem. Because I'm gonna tell you something, you can talk as sweetly as you want to to that woman, but if she's got the evil eye, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> Oh, I know what I'm talking about. You can make yourself as small, so small in your ego that a microscope can't find your ego. But if that man has an anger management problem, shrinking yourself is not gonna bring hope into that situation. There is only one who controls everything and his name is Jesus Christ the Lord. And I'm so glad to declare to somebody today that God is in control. And if you will embrace this one fact that he is sovereign, sovereign means at its baseness, at its very lowest, that word means alone. What it means is that God acts. Alone, That God does not need you to make his decisions. That God does not need you to control this atmosphere. He is in control, and he doesn't have to have a committee to do it. He doesn't have to have a meeting. When God makes a decision, he makes it all by himself. And I know some of you are saying, I know that. That's the reason why I'm in a problem that I'm in. Uh, But if you understand that in his sovereignty, he knows where you are. If he wanted you to be someplace else, you'd be there. But because you are where you are and God is sovereign, understand that it had to happen this way. It had to happen. That flood had to come. It had to happen this way in order for you to understand who God truly is. There are times in which, if I may leave this with you on this particular point, that God will allow you to go into some of the darkest spaces in life so that when you come out, you'll know that it's only his light that brought you through. I didn't tell the story this morning but but but, but there's a story that I've heard and they say it's true and I don't know. Uh, but there was this atheist who lived next door to this praying woman. And 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 she uh, did not have food to eat and it was hopeless and she began to pray uh, that God would supply her needs and and the window was open as she was praying and the atheist heard her praying that God would meet her need for food, and meet her need for money and so he said, I'm going to show her this God she's praying to isn't sovereign Uh, he doesn't do that Uh, and so he went to the grocery store and bought four bags of groceries and put them on her porch and rang the doorbell and ran away so that he could see what she did And, and when he got to when she came to the door she began to cry out God did it I knew God would do it I knew God would answer my prayer and he was undone he could not believe that she was saying this so he ran up on the porch and said God didn't do that I bought the groceries here's the grocery bill I bought those steaks I bought that meat I bought those eggs she said not only did God do it but he made the devil pay the bill I'm telling you what I know to be true Because God is sovereign and moves the heavens and earth, He will move on your behalf if you'll just continue to wait on Him and trust in Him. Amen. Amen. Never lose hope in God's ability to guide you. He's able. Peter went fishing and they fished all night long, but it's God's sovereign authority that went into action. Sovereign authority. But here's the second word, not only taking back your hope, do you remember God's sovereign authority? He never loses you, you may feel lost, but he has not lost you. But secondly, remember God's super abundance. Say that with me, super abundance. There in verse six, Jesus, they didn't know it was Jesus. And I'd have been mad actually I think, once I found out. You standing over there watching me struggle? Don't you feel like that sometimes? You know God is sovereign. You know God is watching over the earth, and He's watching you in your struggle and doesn't come and get you out of it. Well, I'll tell you, He watched His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross and never went and got Him. And you ought to be glad because if Jesus had come down, you definitely would not have any hope. But he stood there and he watched them and then he asked them in verse four, children, do you have any food? What do you mean do we have any food? You've been watching us fishing. and you see we don't have no fish, what do you mean do we have any food? Man, we ate our, our lamb chop sandwiches long time ago. then he said in verse 6, cast your net on the right side of the boat. Somebody needs to remember that. Because hopelessness comes when we're casting our net on the wrong side of the boat. We're casting it into people, and we're casting it into our job, and we're casting it into our money, and we're putting our hope in things that that cannot bring abundance into our lives. And the fact of the matter is they will always fail at some point in time, uh, but when you listen to the authority of God and allow Him to lead you, He will tell you where you need to cast your net. And, and it might not happen at the time that. That you want it to happen but I need you to remember that because God is, 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 is sovereign and because God is in control of all of the universe God knows where the abundance of your life needs to be and so the, I don't know where those fish were all night long they had to have been in that sea I don't think God rained them down like he did manna I don't think that he just made them come up like he did the quail they were always in the sea they just couldn't see them And there are things in your life that you just can't see right now but the superabundance is already around you because God has control over everything and because you are under his life and under his leadership, he knows where the superabundance in your life is. It could be sitting right next to you right now. Oh, I'm talking to some some young lady. Don't turn around. Don't look at him. Don't look at him. You've been asking God to send him and and him uh, sitting next to you, not not in this sanctuary, but back home at Arlington. where We're out of church already, but he's sitting next to you uh, Uh, Is somebody that you don't think is your superabundance yet. How many of you have met somebody and they didn't look like your fifth grade dream. They didn't look like the superabundance, but that was your superabundance and God sent it to you. Oh, I need some help in here for somebody who recognizes that because God is sovereign, God also knows where abundance is and will lead you to it at the right time. It just hasn't happened yet. Somebody say that it has not happened yet, but it does not mean it's not going to happen. Your job has been lost because of superabundance. God knows where the next job is. Your spouse walked out on you because of superabundance. Don't get all upset and and allow your hope to be lost because there are too many fish in the sea. God knows where the next one is. I'm I'm talking to someone today uh, that addiction has not let go of you yet, but God knows where the superabundance of freedom is and release if you will allow your hope to stay focused on him and to know that he knows where the fish are Amen. Amen. and he knows how to lead you to them if you cast your net on the right side they dropped their net after they had fished all night long and 153 fish jumped up in those nets So many fish came that they had to go get help. They had to drag it in. And I'll stop by to let somebody know, I don't know where your point of hopelessness is, but I can tell you this. God knows how to bring that which feeds your soul to you so quickly until you'll have to go get you some help to celebrate your blessing. It just hasn't happened yet. David was 17 years old when he was anointed to be king. But he was 30 years old when he became appointed to be king. You see the difference? There is anointing, there's a hope, there's a dream, there's a desire, but sometimes it takes time for it to occur. Sometimes you got to fish all night long. Sometimes you got to go to school longer than you thought. Sometimes you got to go through a problem longer than you thought. Sometimes you got to go to marriage counseling four times, five times, 10 times, 15 times. Sometimes you got to go to that rehab unit and be there longer than you thought. But God knows where superabundance is, and he'll bring it into your life at the appointed time. It just hasn't happened yet. David was 17 years old, he, and when he was anointed, but he was 30 years old when he was appointed. Do you all hear what I'm saying? Sometimes it takes time. And when we find ourselves in a hopeless place, we don't want to wait. We want it to happen now. But there are times in which God is moving you through so that when you see his glory, you'll understand that how he blessed you, it could only have come from him. Superabundance, 17 to 30. How many years is that? Holler back at me, you mathematicians. I I was just checking to see if you, first of all, did fourth grade math. That really would have been about first grade, um, which I can understand now. You've probably forgotten it. Uh, But but, uh, 13 years later, an anointed king is still tending sheep. An anointed king is still on the backside of the hill and nobody cares about him. An anointed king actually kills Goliath, but he still does not have the hope that he ought to have 13 years later, and his appointment came. And I'm telling somebody today, hold on. Hopelessness is when you're not ready to hold on to the fact that God has such superabundance that when it is my time, It will come. Now, I'm not going to tell somebody today, it's your time. I know you've heard that on on some television programs and some preachers whose names I won't call out. They'll tell you, it's your time. It's your season. It's your moment. I don't know when your time is. I don't know when your season is, but I do know this. If you trust in God's authority, your time and your season will come in a way that will bless you so much until you know it's only God who did it. Superabundance, superabundance. Superabundance, superabundance. I don't know about you, but I have hope in God's superabundance because of His sovereign authority, superabundance. But here's something else. Here's the last thing. Sudden acceleration. Now, they fished all night long, and, 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 and as soon as they dropped their net, it, it, it didn't take long. Uh, uh, somebody hear me. Uh, I'm, I'm getting happy all by myself. As soon as they dropped their net, it didn't take another meeting. It didn't take another circumstance. It didn't take another counseling session. It didn't take another. As soon as they dropped their net. The fish came into the net because God suddenly accelerated that thing and brought it to pass. I'm telling somebody, it does not matter how long it's been bad. It does not matter how far the disease has progressed. They could have told you at stage four, and, and, and by the way, uh, many of you may not know, but that's where I am. I have a diagnosis of cancer that is at stage four. Uh, but I'm telling you, at stage four, I've still been walking, I've still been preaching, I've still been going on, because I'm telling you what God loves. God loves is able to accelerate your moments I'm doing things that I've got more strength and energy now at stage four cancer than I had before uh, and and, and they, 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 they don't have much good news for me but it does not matter to me my hope is not in them my hope is not in their medicine my hope is not I'm praying for some other things to occur but that's not where my hope lies my hope is in Jesus Christ and I know that when he gets ready to bring everything about it's gonna happen and it's gonna happen just like that. Ah, you may have been an addict for a long time, but don't give up hope because God can change that thing just like that. Your marriage may have been turned or upside down for the longest time, but don't lose your hope. God is able to suddenly accelerate victory into your life, and it will come so fast until you're asking yourself, why didn't I put my net down on the right side long time ago? there's any church that ought to believe in God's ability to suddenly accelerate and turn things around, it's Mountain Park Church of God. If there's any church that ought to know that no matter what comes your way, you spend all your money, you spend all your time, you've done everything you know right, and still the flood comes. If anybody ought to know that a flood can't stop God, it ought to be Mountain Park Church of God. Ah. If anybody ought to know that God is not finished yet, it ought to be a church that fixed their church and and got it all back the way they wanted to, and then here comes the city saying, we're taking your land by eminent domain. If anybody needs to know that God is not finished yet, it ought to be Mountain Park Church of God. Send us a flood because the city now is coming to take a building that we have rehabbed and flooded, but they're going to have to pay us for it, And, and they may have lowballed me on it, but God's not Finished yet? It took the flood, it took eminent domain, it took the lowballing for you to get into a building that you don't have as much debt on if you tried to build it all from scratch because God suddenly accelerated what you needed and brought it to you at the right time. Oh, I'm here to tell you, and this didn't just happen today. It was things that God was doing eight, nine, ten years ago. I'm talking to somebody right now because some of you are putting your hope in only what's happening today, but God has been at work in your yesterdays, getting you ready for your sudden acceleration today. I was in a doctoral program and earned my doctoral degree through Ashton School of Theology. And, and when I entered in, my master's degree from Anderson School of Theology was in religious education, uh, uh, whatever it was. Whatever it was, <laughs> it was not enough to get me admitted as a doctoral candidate. And so they were telling me that I had all these prerequisites that I had to take. I had to take all these classes. And, and, and I had gone and saying, I'm graduating in two and a half years. I'm getting my doctoral degree in two and a half years. And if I don't get it in two and a half years, I'm just gonna call myself doctor. well by the time they finished telling me all the things that I had to do on top of my degree in order to become a doctoral candidate it stretched it out to four and a half years and I'm like this is not gonna work and so I began to well, what I did was I just enrolled in regular classes and began to take the classes and made straight A's in them, And, and, and but still they were telling me, you're going to have to take all these classes. And I was becoming hopeless, I'm going to tell you that, because I didn't have all the money I needed. I definitely did not have all the time I needed. And I was looking at this thing and saying, I'm just not going to get this degree. Nice dream, nice plan, but I'm out of here. But that night, the Lord gave me a dream as I was praying. And and in the dream, I, I was sitting in front of the director of the doctoral program who was saying to me, you know what? We've been watching your life in your church, and we know that you are an associate pastor at your church. We know that you are the president of your national youth convention. We know that you have traveled to Canada to speak, because I had just come back from Winnipeg speaking at the youth convention. We know you have done all these things, and then we looked at your grades, and we put it all together, and we decided that you don't have to take a single one of those prerequisite classes. You are now a doctoral candidate write your your dissertation and graduate on time and I'm like and that was the dream and by the way when I went the next day and sat in front of the director that conversation went exactly like God had showed me in my dream oh yeah I got accelerated into a doctoral program because if you put your hope in Christ he will show you the right way to go over in John 20, 27, and I've got to end, uh, there, there's a verse over there where Thomas came and finally he sees Jesus. If you remember, Jesus had appeared to the disciples and they went back and told Thomas uh, and Thomas said, unless I see the nail prints in his hands and, and able to reach my hand in his side, I will not believe. Now, I've got a whole other sermon on Thomas and I can't preach that to you today. Unless you want to stay. No. <laughs> When Jesus saw Thomas, uh, and Thomas saw Jesus, he said, my Lord, my God. And Jesus told him, reach your hand in here. I know you need some help because every now and then in order to have hope, we need a little light, don't we? Reach your hand in my side. I know you need some help to believe. But then Jesus said these words to Thomas in verse 27. And I say that to you if you want to take back your hope. He said, Thomas, stop unbelieving and believe. Really what that means is, Thomas, stop becoming an unbeliever because every time you doubt the Word of God, doubt my authority, you're stepping to the left and becoming an unbeliever. Every time you forget that no matter what has, you have lost, I own the whole world and I'm able to supply abundantly above what you could ask or think, when you allow your mind to drift from that, you are becoming an unbeliever. And hopelessness is grounded in unbelief. And so Jesus told Thomas, Thomas, stop stepping to the right, to the left, because the fish are on the right. Believe in my authority, because that brings hope. Believe in my abundance, because that brings hope. Believe in my ability to accelerate your life. Thomas, stop becoming an unbeliever and become a believer, because that's where hope is found. Father, thank you for this church, for this life, for the hope you give us. Help us to take back our faith, take back our hope, because if our hope is only in this world, we're most miserable. But as we trust in you and believe in you and acknowledge you and start taking the steps that are needed to cast our net on the right side, we'll realize you're not finished with us yet and our hope will be renewed. Some mother, some father, some spouse, Some student needs hope renewed, and I pray for that in Jesus' name, amen.